Welcome to another episode of Rotating Reels, the film review podcast where we alternate between new releases and favorites recommended by the co-eds. I'm one of your co-eds, Taylor, from Seattle, Washington. Also from Seattle, Washington, we got Hank. Hank, say hello. Hello. God loves you. And calling in from Portland, Oregon, we got Keegan Tran. Say what's up, Keegan. Hello. They made me promise I'd be good this week. (laughs) He's not going to, though. (laughs) <laughs> so today we got a pretty exciting and a pretty loved filled episode coming right at you guys. We're going to be doing a review of The Eyes of Tammy Faye, the 2021 version, not not something narrated by RuPaul. We're not doing that. We're not going through the oldies. So I'm going to give you a little a little blurb on The Eyes of Tammy Faye, give you what the industry wants you to think of this movie before we give you the real <laughs> insider scoop from the true believers. So from IMDb. The Eyes of Tammy Faye is an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker. Formerly Tammy Faye Baker. I don't know if she dropped that last name, but ooh, spoilers. Did I spoil it? Oops, sorry, guys. (laughs) Okay, that's it. That's what they want you to think about the movie, but that's not all there is. We got more hot takes coming right at you. Keegan, why don't you start us off? What'd you think of this movie, man? Nuh-uh. Well, you missed something, Taylor. Oh my god, I totally, you know why? I forgot what we've been watching, because I haven't been watching anything this week. That's why oh, I tried no. to... Spoilers! Gl- I, tried, I tried to glide over it so you wouldn't catch me. <laughs> Restart Keegan. the whole thing. <laughs> Keegan, what have you been watching this week, man? What have I been watching? Alright, I'll use my three minutes to sparingly move through the stuff. I watched actually a lot, so I think I'll actually save half of it for next week. Uh, but I started off by watching Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Um, This is a sequel to a a movie called Escape Room that I think was from 2017 or 2018. Um, Very Blumhouse, very uh, mid-sized budget horror movie um, starring the sister from Waves who had the second storyline. And I actually thought she was really great. Um, And she's the lead star for both the first movie and the sequel. Um, And it's pretty much just a PG-13 knockoff of Saw where the idea is like people are stuck in these malicious escape rooms and if they can't figure them out in a certain amount of time, they die. Um, Interesting enough premise, much like some of the later Saw movies, you kind of just like stick around to see the designs of some of the rooms, which is not always the most fun, um, especially when the characters are kind of boring. But there's some fun stuff in the second one. It's very much like a a rent it um, and and put on in the background. I think it's only like 90 minutes, so it's it's pretty inoffensive in that way. and then I had a movie night with my girlfriend, and we revisited some movies from her childhood she really liked. So we watched Coyote Ugly, which I think is from the late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. And it's so funny, because I knew all these Leanne Rhyme songs, but I didn't know that they were made for the soundtrack for this baller-ass movie. Uh, <laughs> and it's like it's a pretty fun romance movie set in New York. Like uh, It's pretty like sex-positive, the idea that like this girl works at this bar where you know she dances on the counters, and her father and her boyfriend don't want to accept it, but she's not doing anything wrong, and she's making a living, and she's interested in her work, and she gets along with her co-workers so you know we have some some fun side parts by tyra banks and some other actors show up that you might know um john goodman is is a major character in it um i think it's it's really fun and it's i mean you can stream it it's uh i think it's on tubi i want to say i might be wrong in that but yeah it's a good time and it has a such a baller soundtrack dude coyote ugly is like the perfect encapsulation of late 90s music in my opinion so you know i've never seen it I've never I remember heard it's really of it. popular. Dude, never you guys are Coyote missing Ugly? out. Yeah, I have no idea how I haven't heard of it. But I, were, I, were you guys when this came out? Would you guys have been born yet, or? Well, let me see when it's. I need to pull up the. <laughs> that was supposed <laughs> to be a joke, but it might not be. Okay, well, it came out in two thousand, so I was five. So I was I was not the target okay. audience. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Taylor, been where four. does that? Yeah. Taylor, you were preteen, right? So you were like ripe for this kind of movie. I, yeah, I was like mid forties at that point. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, okay. So I watched that, which is fun, and then I also watched another one of my girlfriend's favorite childhood movies called *Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion*. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-hmm. Oh my God! This is probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. I had no idea. And I thought, you know, Coyote Ugly was very surface level. It was it was up there. It was fun. But I'm, I'm not going to revisit it anytime soon. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about a movie called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which is this yeah. kind of, you know, very surreal female friendship movie about two women who have, you know, intertwined their lives together platonically and their wacky adventures. 
And I didn't realize at the time that this movie is almost entirely based around this movie, Romy and Michelle. So it's Lisa Kudrow from Friends and another kind of mid-sized, smaller actress. And they are two women who, you know, 10 years out of high school, they haven't done much with their lives. They're living in Venice Beach in a really shitty apartment, uh, but they just have this amazing friendship. And it is so crazy and surreal. Um, there's a scene where they're out trying to find new boyfriends to take to the high school reunion. And they're at a club and this kind of weird man approaches one of, approaches Romy. And he says, can I buy you a drink? And she goes, it's just crazy voice affectation. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I cut my foot earlier and my shoe is filling with blood. And then she hobbles out of the bar and goes home. <laughs> it is absolutely insane. It's on Hulu. And I, guys, I cannot recommend this movie enough, but I actually don't want you to watch it because I know I'm going to use it for a Keegan week. It is that good. <laughs> okay. It is. All right. All right. When you, when you read letterbox reviews, people are like, this is the perfect friendship movie. Um, and it's, it's so good. Um, I've never even heard of it. Never, had, I never heard of it before, and, ever. And there's some huge actors in it. Did you like it better than Barb and Star? Oh yeah, infinitely. But and that is to say, like, if I revisited Barb and Star now after watching Romy and Michelle, I think I'd have a newfound appreciation, knowing that it was like a satire of a satire kind of thing, you know? Hmm. So um, definitely watch that one first. Yes, Romy and Michelle has to come first. It's from 1997, so it's it's definitely a little bit older. And I didn't realize that it was like Is it's, 1997 it's a, well, a little bit older in movie. I was going to say now? what are we? <laughs> what are you saying? That's yeah, not the older dark times. Old. 97. Oh, because you you guys are like I mean we watched Citizen Kane, but like in the grand scheme of things, that's you know that's a 24 year old movie, right? That's pretty old. It's almost a quarter century ago. I mean, I watched I the Matrix, and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. You know what? That's fair. That's yeah. but that's. Are just... you guys stoked for the new Matrix movie? Yes, oh, yeah. but we should not get off topic on that because I'll yeah, go one for more, an hour. One more. I've I've gone so long. <laughs> Hank's already played me off by now. But I did watch The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is the 1997 documentary that this movie was based on. Like you said, it's voiced by RuPaul. Um, we'll get into this a little bit more in the, in the actual review of the movie. But I think that there's a lot more information that can be gleaned from the short documentary about you know the Bakers and and what they did and how they defrauded people. I think this movie is. Interesting alone that it's voiced by RuPaul and you have first-hand accounts by Tammy Faye Baker. Um, and I liked it a lot. And that, I, I rented that for like four bucks on Amazon. So I actually would recommend watching both movies. Uh, but I think for the context and the history, I'd actually watch the documentary first. And that's what I did. And I think I got a better viewing experience for it. So I've run super long. I'm sorry, guys. But that was my watch week. It's okay. I'll, no, no, it's good. I'll wait a bit to play you out because we, we were derailed by our recently returned co-host, Mr. May. <laughs> Oh, he forgot the rules, man. <laughs> I'm not back in the saddle yet. No, it's great. It's great. <laughs> okay, so what happens now? Now does Hank tell us about what he watched? Is that right, guys? Yeah, Maybe. he does. Okay, Hank, what'd you watch? All right, so I had a real, real light watch week. I got two items on the list. Uh, first of all, Survivor. Finished another season of it. I'm on to season eight now. Um, we wow. skipped a couple. I think this is uh, only the fifth <laughs> season we've watched. Um, not the eighth, but we're on season eight now. It's a season I actually remember very well from when it aired. Um, but watching it with my girlfriend, who's watching f uh, for the first time, is pretty entertaining. And she doesn't even know what's going to come, like in season 12, season 20, season 30. Anyway, I'm excited. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, that, that was honestly most of what I've watched. The only thing other than Survivor that I watched uh, at all <clears throat> this week and I mean, other than the movies we're reviewing for the podcast, uh, was I watched like the last 30 minutes of uh, Harry Potter episode seven, part one. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a little no, random. It's, uh, you know, I, I've never been a big Harry Potter fan, um, but uh, Haley started it while I was out of the apartment and I came home to it still running. And so I watched the last 30 minutes and I've never been a big Harry Potter fan. And I remain, based on those last 30 minutes, not a huge Harry Potter fan. But I can't deny the movies kind of have style. Like they're very well put together visually. Like oh, yeah. it's like, you know, it's kind of like like the audio visual equivalent of like eating a warm soup while you have a blanket wrapped around you. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll give it that. Uh, was that the, was is that the only Harry Potter movie stuff you've ever watched? No, I've seen the all last... of them, and I'm, oh, okay. I'm okay. still not a big fan. Um, <laughs> okay. Only Iron Man and only Harry Potter Seven One. 
and only the, the last, last 30, thirty minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Sorry, um, but so since We're... go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say since I've had such a short watch week, I want to give one other shout out to something that's not TV, not movies. It is Demon Souls remade for the PlayStation Five. Mm. Now then, for our viewership, I'm a big gamer, especially a big fan of the uh, From Software games: Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro. Um, I've played all of them except for Demon's, uh, Demon Souls up, up until now. And uh, I'm finally getting to play it. I got myself a PlayStation 5 uh, pretty much for the express purpose of playing this one game. And man, was it worth it. This game rules. If you've played any of those games I just mentioned a minute ago and you liked them, play you some Demon Souls. It's fucking rad. Anyway, that's what I spent Hell all yeah. my other free time this past <laughs> week on. <laughs> Nice, man. Nice. Well, I, I I lied a little bit. I did watch one thing this week, um, and that is more episodes of For All Mankind. Um, oh, so it's on nice. Apple TV. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So it's I have I talked about it with you guys before. I think I think we did. Um, but it's uh, you know it's an alternate history. Um, basically taking place uh, right before the moon landing, and the big twist is the Soviets get there first. And mm. so basically the space race continues, <clears throat> ramps up, even we're talking bases on the moon, everything crazy. Um, but they're doing some really cool things. Like uh, it's a little bit confusing the other things happening that are not space related, but it seems like because the space race is ramping up, it allows Nixon to get out of Vietnam earlier and gives them like that honorable piece that, they, that he was always trying to get. They oh, actually nice. managed to get that. And it kind of, uh, due to some stuff goes on the show, it kind of jump starts. Um, the feminist movement and takes on a pretty different kind of hue to it. Um, so they're doing some pretty they're doing some pretty cool things, and the characterizations are, I think, a little more sophisticated than you might think at first blush. There's a lot of th- a lot of conflicts rise up that feel really organic, but are driven by the plot. Um, so I highly recommend it. Mm. It's on Apple TV, uh, which means I can only watch it on my computer because my TV does not like Apple TV for some reason. So I'm watching these beautiful, you know, CGI space scenes on a little 11-inch screen. So that's how much I like it. <laughs> well, Aren't you I happy got... that I made you start Ted Lasso so you had to buy Apple TV Plus? Yeah, yeah. And Ted Lasso's been taken off, right? People are talking about Emmys and stuff now. And... Dude, Roy Kent just won an Emmy. And same with uh, Rebecca, the manager. They both just that's won Emmys wild. last weekend. Amazing. Wild. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Oh, and I, I mean, they deserve uh, it. Yeah. Oh, wholeheartedly. So did you guys know, <clears throat> I was I was listening to this, I, I hear a lot of people talk about For All Mankind, it's like definitely locked and loaded as one of my next shows I want to start, um, but did you know the original premise back when this was like shopped around as a script was that like each season would be a 10 year progression, so the idea would be that like we, I think it starts in like the 60s, 70s, and then you jump 10 years, and then the hope was that by like you know, season six, we could do like a hundred year jump and then it becomes just full sci-fi. I don't know how true that rings because I haven't watched it yet, but that's yeah, that, I think they could do that. Um, the So the, the one of the main characters, by the way, is the guy from Altered Carbon from the first episode, the first season. Oh, I Suicide mean. Squad guy, right? Yeah, and um, he's 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 really good. So I think they could definitely. I think they definitely have people that could pull off some sci-fi chop stuff. Um, cool. But they do jump around in time. There are some, you know six month one year jumps and they, and they seem to handle it pretty well cool cool cool. yeah so yeah i would definitely recommend it yeah and so K- okay taylor just one last thing before we get into the review yeah, yeah. just you know figured i'd mention uh you know if you get a playstation and play demon souls the playstation <laughs> mm-hmm. will also play apple tv oh yeah <laughs> so then i could plug in the playstation to the tv and then get apple tv on the tv through the playstation Exactly. That's good. That's a hot tip. Just out I, here shilling for big old Sony these days. <laughs> <laughs> they need all the help they can get, I guess. So. <laughs> okay, are we ready to talk about the eyes of Tammy Faye? Just born ready. Yeah. Are we ready to go through this epic biopic of a televangelist wife? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's for for our listeners. That's that's the background. If you're if you're uh, in the younger demographic, you've maybe never heard of Tammy Faye Baker. You know, I being over 150 years old, of course, I'm very familiar with Tammy Faye Baker. Um, but I, I, I'm really curious to hear what our hosts think that maybe have no idea who these people were before any of this. Don't know anything about Jerry Saldwell and all these other 
random televangelist people that make appearances in the film. Um, so, Hank, why don't you start us off? What would you think of this movie, man? Yeah, so my background was a little bit sparse on this one. I've never had a lot of faith myself, and I didn't come from a deeply religious background. And I'm a little bit uh, too young for, you know, these actual, like, televangelical... Te- televangelical? Anyway... Uh, televangelist shows yeah, um, yeah, to have yeah. like been on my TV. Um, plus, <laughs> because I wasn't from a uh, religious background, you know, we weren't going to be paying for that shit. Um, so anyway, I, I wasn't that familiar <laughs> with it. Um, except uh, I had read, I think, like a true crime article or something about Jim Baker. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, basically, my, I had this kind of vague impression of him as someone that was like kind of a piece of shit and stole a lot of money from a televangelist show um and so i came into this movie being like okay this is going to be you know like a kind of like a true crimey sort of drama and uh what a fucking letdown for someone that was like ready for that um you know i came in like being like okay you know i might see some like interesting like embezzlement sort of stuff happening nope the movie is not about that um, I, I when I when I saw that it was about Tammy ba- uh, Tammy Faye Baker, I assumed that it would also be kind of about Jim Baker, and it's not not about him, but uh, yeah, it, it's very character driven, um, which to me was not the interesting part of the issues discussed in the movie at all. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, when will this become interesting? um and then the movie ended um so anyway i I have i have a pretty cold reaction to the movie you know uh, it might have hit harder if i was a person of faith or if i'd ever seen any of these televangelist programs but i'm in neither of those groups and so the whole time i was just waiting for an interesting plot to unfold and it didn't all right so a pretty pretty uh I would say a pretty hateful uh, opinion from Hank over there, totally denying the good word is spread by our, our friends, the Bakers. <laughs> Keegan, what, what did you say? Maybe you got a little more, a little more spirit in you, a little more love in you. Yeah, this was actually, surprisingly enough, this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year when I saw the trailer. I was really excited. Um, and I know that you said last week that you don't really like Jessica Chastain, but I'm a pretty big fan of Jessica Chastain. I think she's great in Zero Dark Thirty. I really like her in The Help. I think she has a lot of character on screen, um, just a lot of charisma. So I was really excited for what looked like a big character piece for her. Um, and as Hank said, this, is, this movie is, is not not about Jim Baker and all of their scandals. But it very much is a, a first and foremost Tammy Faye movie, obviously, as, as the, the title implies, right? Um, and so on that basis alone, like, I do think Chastain has some amazing work here. I think the prosthetics they put on her and the work she clearly put into researching, you know, this person and almost having shot for shot recreations when you watch the documentary in her acting is super impressive, right? Like she is for all intents and purposes on screen. This is a near perfect representation of Tammy Faye Baker or Tammy Faye Messner as she becomes later in life. Um, So for that reason, I was, you know, enthralled in the performance, but similarly to Hank, I think the events of this movie and the events that take, part or that take place in their lives are very very interesting in real life and i think the documentary that rupaul made about her in 1997 actually highlights a lot of those events really really interestingly but i Hmm. think this movie doesn't really find a way to balance showcasing chastain's performance as tammy faye with showing enough interesting stuff from their life or justifying the existence of the movie in a way that the documentary does right the documentary is There's show cards for it that are read out with sock puppets because it's very in theme for Tammy Faye. It's very cutesy that way, and she does a lot of firsthand interviews. But it also breaks those up with, you know, newscasts from ABC, a lot of the same interviews that you see in this movie. So I think there is a very delicate balance to be struck here. um, I think the movie just doesn't really land as well, in my opinion. Um, That being said, I think there are some really, really great moments here. Um, And this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but... Uh, Tammy Faye famously has this this interview with 
um, a pastor who was H- a gay pastor who was HIV positive, um, and he couldn't make it out because he was he was um, in remission at the time, or he was he was getting treatments, and so he had to call in from satellite via TV. And there's just this absolutely amazing interview where she sits on a couch, talks to a TV, and just says, you know, we as Christians, how sad is it that we will turn away and not hug someone who is clearly so sick and so hurting and deserving of our love? Um, and I think both in in the documentary in real life and that footage and the recreation here it's just an incredibly moving display of humanity and i i cried in the theaters in this scene because i was just so moved by it um and i think it does a really really good job to just show that you know televangelism and evangelical kookiness aside there's a really really good person underneath and tammy faye is just very empathetic to her core um and i think her spirit really shines through in this so i've gone pretty long i'm very lukewarm kind of back and forth for different elements of it but curious to see how taylor feels yeah I think I'm I think I'm kind of in the middle with you guys here, because um, you know well first off a, a biopic's always hard right where do you start where do you end how do you go through decades and decades of somebody's life um, so the whole time I got the impression that and I have no idea if this is true this is just how it felt to me was that they shot a lot more than they needed and then they got to the editing stage and they were like holy shit we have way too much stuff how are we gonna put this all in here because the pacing felt really weird jumping between different eras of her life um and for that reason it felt kind of boring there wasn't there wasn't like a strong plot so there wasn't a lot of like tension or or a a through line going through at all um so i i was pretty bored by the movie um and i thought kind of what you guys already said the, the the most interesting part of the story of tammy faye baker to me is how someone can be so full of love seemingly right C- can have this in- incredible optimism about human beings um and then at the same time be participating in the prosperity gospel and be predatorily just hurting people basically um so they didn't really explain that right like at the very end um tammy Faye is sort of she's sort of repenting for what she's done wrong and says she lost sight of what was important and she got confused or whatever else. And it was like, we didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't, I didn't see her ever really battling with what they were doing versus how she felt. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just like, okay, I guess Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield are going to do some really great impressions for us now. And we're going to have the latest in facial prosthetics. I mean, the, the facial prosthetics throughout the movie are incredible. <clears throat> the, the production values overall, I thought were great. The costuming, the setting, uh, cinematography, I thought it was all really well done. And it was ultimately pretty boring for me. I, uh, we didn't talk about any of the things I was really interested in. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lukewarm, pretty lukewarm on the movie. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I'd just like to chime in here. Given the fact that it is, you know, like a, a biographical picture, um, the story is like pretty well known. Can we just say that we're doing spoiler full the whole time, so I can just say a couple things here. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's, yeah, let, we can just jump into spoilers right now. Yeah, yeah. it's a true story, so it's not like yeah, yeah you know, it's like, a it's like a twenty year old story. Twenty. My guess plus, is, if yeah. you're going to the movie, you're probably at least passingly familiar with the the shit that went down twenty odd years ago, thirty, however long. Um, anyway, so my overwhelming feeling at the end of this movie like 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 honestly other than boredom um was that uh tammy faye baker or what's her name now messer messner 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 yeah anyway tammy faye uh was kind of presented in this movie as having absolutely no idea anything shady was going on uh with uh with her and her husband's uh you know business up until the very end um where obviously she had to have some idea and i don't know enough about the story to say like definitively whether i take issue with that or not i could definitely imagine tammy faye having maybe some idea that what they were doing wasn't totally right um but you know if that's how they wanted to present it i don't know enough to argue against it but what i can argue against is choosing that perspective for this story because I think that if you are assuming that lack of knowledge and you choose her perspective, there isn't a story here. You know, it's basically a woman that feels a lot of empathy for others, and then her life gets kind of fucked up because her husband did, you know, shady money shit uh, with a with a Christian group behind her back, 
but to her it seems like you know it happens out of nowhere and for seemingly no reason like they really avoided any chance of there being a plot here because it's not like she uncovers you know what's going on in their version of events it <clears throat> happens around her and then she has to deal with it um and i just yeah she might be a very interesting uh, woman, um, but they did not make a very interesting story about her, if that's the case. Um, mm. Anyway, did you have any feeling like the perspective really hurt this story? Yeah, I I, I did, yeah. Because, I, you know, I, I was left not feeling confident in how they were trying to square that circle, right? Like they're obviously trying to show that she's full of love. And I, you know, I don't, I've ne never met her and don't know much about the story other than through news things that I've seen. Right. So I don't really feel comfortable deciding if she knew about all the fraud or whatever else that was going on. Um, but they didn't take a hard stance on that is kind of how I felt about it. They kind of waffled back and forth. And that's a, that, it's a pretty big difference, right? One is that she was ignorant. The other the, is that she was, was cynical and a charlatan, right? And that, that seems like a stance the movie should take, like e either way, right? Like a, some kind of firm footing to put us on about how to feel about this woman. Obviously we're supposed to like her, but if she later admits in the movie that she goes, well, I lost sight of what was important and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's very different than you got bamboozled, right? Mm -hmm. So, Keegan, you, yeah. you probably know the most about it out of all of us. Um, what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, how much history did you guys come in with? So, and I guess I'll, I'll say where I was. And that I, I originally watched the documentary. It's about 90 minutes. They cover a lot of ground. I, I watched a lot of YouTube videos, read some stories. Um, and I, I feel like I have a fairly comprehensive understanding of Tammy Faye's involvement as, from the point that she becomes involved with Jim Baker. Um, and I, I agree, right? I think my take on this is, and this is very unchristian-like to, to judge, but I, I get the impression that she likely was passingly aware that they were defrauding people to some extent, or she, you know, she clearly chose to live this life of luxury and partake in the excess that Jim was also pushing them to do. Um, so I, I don't think... I don't think the argument that she just thought this money was falling in their lap and that she was like, you know, right to spend it is is correct. I think she does have some involvement and in like in future interviews she would always say like I don't know where the money came from. I don't I don't know what salary I get or I, you know, I don't know who paid for this house or this mink. Um but I, I don't know that that is necessarily true. Um and I think there is an interesting conversation there about like how can a person who is so loving choose this life of excess when the religion that she preaches should say that that some of that wealth should be distributed down to others and should be you know used to better the lives of people that aren't her um, and i think that is probably something that internally she was very at odds with um, and one thing that this movie does that the other media that i consumed about her doesn't bring up is the involvement of her mother and that character and i think her mother always my kind favorite of has character this, in the whole I, thing. and i I agree. She's this very grumpy, old, you know, very strict by the Bible Christian woman. Um, and she's always kind of questioning and nipping at her heels and saying, like, you know, who paid for this? I, I don't think you should be profiting so much. And I think they had set things up from a script perspective to have Tammy Faye questioning her involvement in this um, that I just don't ultimately think they followed through on. So, hmm. yeah, I, I'm very much in agreement with you guys on this. That I think it, it hurts the story ultimately to not have her kind of grapple with these things. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> you know what was interesting about the mother character, right? Is that ultimately the mother character does live in a house on the estate. She does yep. take the fur coat, and we never really see the mom struggle with that. Like, there's one scene where everyone's convincing her to take the fur coat that Tammy wants to buy her, but we never really see her. We never really see any explanation of how she dealt with that. And it could have the dealing with it, by the way, could have like I would have been totally fine if they just showed that she was inconsistent and tried not to think about it. That's that's totally fine, right? But they didn't they didn't do that either. So it was just kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I just felt like the whole movie, the script was doing its absolute best to keep like any issues that could be discussed in the farthest background. Like, I, I didn't feel like the movie, you know, drew attention to anything or discussed anything 
it really felt like it was just kind of like a showcase of of Jessica Chastain acting as Tammy Faye. Like it, yeah. it, it felt so thin and just purely aesthetic to me. The aesthetic was great though. I, mean, I was it, all about the aesthetic. Like, honestly, <laughs> I didn't like the aesthetic, but like I, I, I didn't think it was poorly done, you know, just like nothing in this is really, you know, my deal. I'm like, this this all looks like you know shit in the shit in the south and you know i, I don't know, like it's, <laughs> it's just not that exciting you know it's like yeah i've seen yeah. manor houses and you know people in suits it's fine um, no 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 it's more than fine it's holy <laughs> yeah but uh anyway so like the aesthetic i'm like yeah they did it well but you know there are movies where the aesthetic is enough to draw me in and this just wasn't one of them i admit that's down to personal taste but yeah I mean, and the, the other thing is that by kind of punting on those really complex issues is the whole reason people are interested in televangelism is, I mean, there's people that are, are, are true believers and are trying to, you know, sow their seeds with God and, and everything else. But I think other people that, you know, are not donating to these organizations are like, this is so obviously a scam. Right. This is and when you go back to the origins, you go back to Oral Roberts and the people kind of before him in this bringing Pentecostalism and into evangelicalism and stuff in, the, in a wider audience. Supposedly, all those early guys behind the behind the scenes, they would all talk about how all the prisoners are mooks that, that they know these people. They're taking these people's money um, and it ain't to save their souls. Right. And so that's where you always wonder with, you know, these Jerry Falwell and um my my uh joel what's his name joel Osteen, Osteen, Osteen. pat robertson yeah, those, and all these guys yeah and and you know if 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 you want to convince me that these people are true believers and think it is right that they have private planes and they're taking people social security checks um i you're gonna have to do some work on that right you're gonna have to convince me that this person is is totally confused because it seems to me that they're brazenly just taking people's money and have no moral compunctions about doing that all under the blanket of, of Christianity um, and using that to kind of protect them from the hypocrisy of what they're doing. And so to have a showcase about a televangelist wife, you know, one of the most successful televangelists um, and to not broach any of that, I just, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty disappointed. I was pretty disappointed. It was one weird of the things- though because... Uh, it was weird though because you know like they they did kind of bring up the issue like specifically with uh tammy faye's mother saying like well where did this fur coat come from you know like and and you're like okay okay now we're getting somewhere and then they're like yeah Yeah. now let's talk about tammy faye cheating on her husband you know it's like who cares like we were just about to get into the interesting stuff and then you 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 gave us like uh a sex scene that doesn't even really go anywhere you know like it's, it's it could have been a an an off-camera scene and the movie would have been the same you know like mm-hmm. it was just it was yeah. a it kind of a mess of, of plotting and it didn't you know the the alternative to like these people being very cynical right is the tammy faye that they did show us which is full of all this love right overwhelming love and using that love to deal with um you know sexism in in, in ministries um and and all like using that love in a seemingly proper way right like that one of my favorite scenes was one of the last scenes where those young boys are watching uh you know kind of defrocked tammy faye walk back to her little apartment they're making fun of her and she goes over and says you know we're we're neighbors so if you're gonna make fun of me you gotta say hi to me first and she gives him a picture of herself and she's just chatting with them introducing herself and that was like that was brilliant right that was the and best so scene the, in the movie hands down yeah I, I i thought totally and i thought when we first started out with a young tammy faye where we saw more of that we saw more of that love and and how it was driving her to do things and then she starts to get rich and she does the love on the tv and we just never have those things intersect we, we never see any conflict there and it was yeah i just I, I was I was pretty disappointed, honestly. I'm gonna keep saying it. I was pretty disappointed because I think there's a really cool story here, and maybe the documentary tells it. Um, but I, I was gonna I say, like, I, I think if you guys really like that scene with the teenagers, I think you'd really like the documentary. And and the reason for that being that like, it's all shot f- like 
the starting point of the documentary is it's framed as her apartment and she's recollecting all or she you know she's she's having recollections of all these things we cut back to them and she's kind of her and rupaul are narrating the story and so so much of it is like she's already down on her luck she clearly lives in this piece of shit apartment she drives like a beat up old miata which is like hey i owned a miata too but like for someone that used to drive <laughs> you know beautiful cadillacs the fact that she's living in this you know apartment complex and driving a japanese import is is not a good look on her and she you know she walks us through her day-to-day and how she goes about doing her makeup and she clearly uses like drugstore makeup and she's you know not really doing that well and it i think it paints this really interesting picture of someone who has this love and who had this very affluent nice life and who has lost all of it but who also is kind of in ways fading in and out of delusion a little bit and she's Hmm. disillusioned by her past um like Hmm. the the sequence that they do copy over into the movie is when she goes and pitches some television shows to the director or to a studio exec and he's like he's really friendly in the movie and he's like oh i don't know about this that's that's i don't know but in the documentary it's he's he's hard on her man he's like I'll be honest, Tammy Faye, I I don't have high hopes for any of these. Like, I, I don't think it's a good pitch. And he calls Lifetime on on camera and they just don't pick up and they never return his calls. And it's it's brutal to watch this kind of fall from grace story in a way that's like you hurt for her. But you also think like, you know, you you set yourself up in a position that was was kind of unsteady and ready to fall in this way. So, again, it's it's on Amazon. I think it's a better watch. Yeah, Mm. I'm actually really curious to watch that because, first of all, it sounds like they kind of actually talk about the issues that are at the core of this story, unlike this movie that just used the aesthetic. Um, And also, I like just about everything I've seen RuPaul do. Yeah. No, and and one other thing I, I forgot to mention, too, like another really powerful moment in the documentary is like so you know she has i forget what kind of cancer but it's either i think it's like cystic cancer or something in her in her abdomen um and she just she's bleeding profusely from her from you know her her lower half and it's it's pretty brutal um and she's talking about you know she goes into chemo and she was never really close with either of her children but she was just lying half awake in a hospital bed and her her daughter sissy who's in this movie a little bit is is sitting with her for weeks on end while she goes through chemo um and how it was it wasn't until then that they became truly close as a mother-daughter pair Hmm. and watching her daughter recount that and talk about you know just break into tears about how close that experience brought them is like really really moving um in a way that like the character of sissy in the movie could be or in in, you know the 2021 movie could be completely written out and really nothing changes i honestly forgot they even showed one of her kids at like a non-baby age yep i mean she's in the mink scene and what does she add right nothing nothing yeah well and and so the other part of that is that this as much as this is a movie about Tammy Faye, Jim Baker is obviously a crucial part of Tammy Faye's story in life. And Jim Baker's not done. He is still on there. He's still doing televangelist stuff. He's still, you know, trying to sell you silver to cure COVID. He's still doing the same kooky shit that he's always done. And so the stories, you know, Tammy Faye's obviously passed away, but uh, the story of the Bakers and they're, you know, as much as they got divorced, they're still linked, right? That's not done yet. She, I watched his last two shows. I, I got really into this whole story. I, I watched their 50 minute segments and they are he's he's on this big whole thing about like how we're in the end times. And so he's selling prepackaged food that you can put in your shelter. He's a big prepper. Um, yeah. It's just he's a really interesting guy, man. And there's there's some interviews with the uh, FCC guys who were were pressing him at the time. And they were like, you know, you get him in a room and it was always this walking on eggshells because the minute that he started crying, he wouldn't be able to stop for 45 minutes. And he would just he would just wax poetic about how he wasn't doing anything wrong and he was serving God. And they would have to just stop the interview. And I guess when he did get indicted and when he, he ultimately went to prison, he collapsed in the courtroom and groveled at his lawyer's feet to not be sent to prison. What an interesting sequence, right? But in the movie, we just see him like kind of being escorted out of a jailhouse, and he's crying. But like, yeah, they like it's made not it super a joke. convincing. Yeah, because they because in the previous scene, she was crying, and he said, "Oh, don't cry" or whatever. He was mad at her for crying, and then it cuts to him crying, and it's kind of like, aha. Yeah. 
So, okay, so let's, why do we think this movie went so wrong when they had another movie they could have based it on that <laughs> apparently went, went so right? What, well, I what, mean, what they happened, did base you guys it think? on But why was it bad? Why was it so boring? I, I know, I, I, I personally got the feeling that, you know, someone, maybe the director or the screenwriter, um, is really taken with Tammy Faye's love and wanted to present a vision of Tammy Faye that was pretty untainted, you know? Hmm. But unfortunately, that version of her means that there cannot be a story from her perspective. Because if she is so innocent, then she didn't, you know, see anything interesting happen. You know, the, the bad things that happen are the interesting parts of this story to me. So I think that someone in the development of this film was just too taken with Tammy Faye um, to make a good movie about her. That's fascinating. You know, yeah, what, what do you thing, think, Keegan? I keep bringing up fun factoids from the documentary, but it's just, it's infinitely more entertaining. Uh, this yeah. is something that's set up, it, it could be something in this movie. All the pieces are there, but they never follow through on it. You know why her last name is Messner when she passed away and not Baker? You know the land developer that she quote unquote flirts with? Yeah. The, uh, the guy that builds Heritage Park that's always kind of around their house and the one they're always trying to convince. And helps them get screwed by Falwell. Yeah. By Falwell. They got married. He goes to prison. He takes a hit too, goes to prison, and they get married while he's in prison. And it's like all the pieces are there for an interesting story that the documentary covers. And it's like – and she goes for conjugal visits and all this stuff. And then she's there when he Why gets out. And it's like that? This is great. Well, they got and, him asking if she was cold. Like, isn't that enough of the yeah. relationship? <laughs> I mean, I think we all saw where that was going. With the Jurassic uh, Park sequence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Keegan, are you are you have a similar mind that it was just Tammy Faye was, was so charismatic and so full of love that she, somebody was smitten and that, that ruined the development process for the movie? Yeah, I think from a script perspective, I think the writers drank a little bit of the Kool-Aid and they, they very much made in their minds I think that they made Tammy Faye too much of a sympathetic character or you know one that is deserving overwhelmingly of sympathy that like Hank says is like almost infallible um, and I think you add into that you start your casting process and you bring in Jessica Chastain who again just has so much on screen charisma in my opinion and, and can really put herself into the part of this like southern woman like she did in The Help and I think you just have this recipe of like we don't want to expose we don't want to put this character into sequences where that paint her in a bad light because she was such a loving individual. And I think that's ultimately to the detriment. So I, I agree with Hank hundred percent. So maybe where are you at? Just Jessica Chastain's uh, acting chops in some ways made the movie worse. She's too they good. saw she her and they're like, it. she's so sweet. We can't be mean to her. <laughs> well, and I guess what did you she guys think of her performance? Cheeks. You've said in the past that you aren't a huge fan of her. I mean, what is that based on? And, and what did you think about her here? I think, I I think I've I think I've never I think uh, maybe I've been a little too hard on her. I think she's a good actress. I've just never liked any of the roles she's t- she's played that I that I've seen her in. Maybe she's in other stuff that's better. I saw her in Zero Dark yeah. Thirty, The Help. Um, I don't know what else she's done besides that. But um, I just didn't like the characters. I just I just and and this character too. Like I love the the joyful happy Tammy Faye, but we got to reconcile that with the evil <laughs> shit she was doing. Right. And, and yeah. I think Jessica Chastain could have done that. Like she's obviously a good enough actress. Um, but no, we didn't see it. And, and I, I also loved Andrew Garfield. I thought, you know, he gets a little overshadowed by how good Jessica sure. Chastain is, but I thought he was incredible. I, I thought he really, really captured this dude and clearly he'd done the same amount of homework Jessica had. His mannerisms were all incredible. Um, his speech pattern. So I think he's really, you know, he's 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 definitely a mature actor now and can do these really serious, difficult roles. I mean, the performances were good, no doubt. Like, I don't think there's an argument against that. But a good performance needs a, a good plot or a good screenplay or something like (laughs) unless you're just like really taken with like watching people talk to each other a good performance doesn't really you know mean anything on its own you know like you could have a really good performance of two high school friends you know like bumping into each other at a starbucks and no one would want to watch it but it would still be a good performance you know like i think that their performances were good but i'm not really going to praise them for it because you know like they didn't end up contributing to an interesting movie 
Well, that's what's so hard is that all the pieces, right? Like the story itself in real life is interesting. There's a documentary that they apparently base it off that's interesting. The actors, I thought, you know, all, all the other pieces of the movie were great. And so it's it's sort of it's sort of just confusing to me. I don't get it. I don't get how they could have done this. Yeah. And last part on the actors too. Like I, I agree, their performances are amazing, but like. It, it, I've probably watched five to six hours of straight content of these guys over the past weeks outside of the movie to like prep and because I was just so personally interested. And then after consuming all that, going into this movie, I'm like, dude, Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield are way too good looking. No amount of prosthetics <laughs> and, and dorky makeup is going to be enough to, to kind of ground these guys to look like the real uh, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker. Which well, is that's it's, Hollywood, though. It's distracting, man. I don't know. Jessica Chastain is beautiful. Andrew Garfield's a really handsome guy. It's, you know, it's it's distracting to me. That's always a problem. Like in, uh, what's another one? Like Hotel Rwanda. Mm. Like, Don Cheadle. Like, yeah, and, and the wife. <laughs> and did you see, if, you see like yeah. them at the, when Paul Kagame, who's now in jail, um, was, uh, went to like one of the premieres or something. It was, there was some publicity shoot with like the, the, the real couple and then the Hollywood couple. And it was like, oh yeah, they just <laughs> they pumped you up a couple, <laughs> couple points on that, didn't they? <laughs> okay, who would, who do you think would play us? What, who's the I was going to ask that same thing. More handsome Hollywood version of us. Hank, do you want to go first? When they do the rotating reels biopic, who are they going <laughs> to cast as the three of us? Well, given Taylor's age and mustache, I think the only real answer is is Burt Reynolds. I think oh, he also I was, has. I was thinking like a Clint Eastwood. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh goodness, guys! You flattered I was me. gonna. I get I get dibs on Henry Golding. I think he's a half Asian guy. He's way too handsome, but I'll take it. <laughs> Snake eyes. Hank, what about you? Who who would play you, Hank? Oh, I don't know who would play me. Um, Keanu. Well, he's, he's Asian. Oh, yeah. Keanu would be... Oh, that'd be great. I mean, I would love to get Keanu. I just don't think he could convincingly play my, my age anymore. I think, <laughs> I think he's aged out. Of, I don't know. Do I, do I look like I'm Keanu's age? Be honest. Do I need to start picking well, some healthier <laughs> lifestyles? <laughs> uh, okay, so I think we're, we're getting down to it. Do we want to do... Um, do we want to do a final final review yeah, final, yeah. Let's, ra- let's rate rating. this bad boy. Yeah. Okay, Keegan, why don't why don't you go first? Yes, I knew that we we're all gonna have the same ranking, so I was like, I was scrambling in my mind to think of of other alternatives for the ranking systems. But uh, yeah, overall, this movie is uh, I think it's perfectly serviceable. I think if the documentary and and other supporting stuff didn't exist, then uh, it would be a lot better than it is. But um, in in a landscape that is is absolutely stuffed full of Jim and Tammy, you know, documentaries and YouTube think pieces. This this really doesn't do much to stand out aside from its budget and its really really great acting performances. Um, so for that, I'd probably give this movie five and a half out of ten really awful bathtub bathtub hand jobs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, uh, and and Hank, what, what, how many bathtub hand jobs would you give this movie? <laughs> well, I have my own rating scale that I'm pretty proud of, so I'm going to rate it out of that. But I'll get to that at the end here. Okay. Um, okay. And I just want to say this movie had some, you know, great production value, great acting. Maybe the direction was good. I honestly couldn't tell. Uh, someone with a better film background could tell. Um, but it didn't really have anything that makes a movie good to me. Like it didn't have an interesting plot. It didn't have sharp screenwriting. Um, the aesthetic, you know was well done but was not to my taste at all so this movie just had very little for me other than you know something to spend two hours on um so anyway with that said i think i would give it like a uh oh god this isn't going to be good i think i would give it like a three out of 12 totally heterosexual uh wrestling matches oh that was really good that was good. That was, you know, you know, Andrew Garfield, he pulls off a closeted gay man having a wrestling match in public with another man so well. Just totally yeah. believable that this guy's he's getting something out of this. It's not just a bunch of rambunctious fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? He's so, <laughs> he's so tickleable. Um, 
Yeah, he did. That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. He looks like a guy you could have a good time wrestling. I just feel like that's not what you want to say about a movie involving Jim Baker. Like, yeah, I walked away from that movie feeling yeah. like I could give Jim a good tickle. Yeah, if he wasn't if he wasn't such a bastard, he'd be a cute, cuddly little guy. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I everything you guys said. Um, I'm pretty disappointed with the movie because the story's so interesting and. The budget was so high and everything else was so well done in the movie um besides you know the story um so i think i'm gonna give it seven out of ten prosperity seeds uh and, and you know this is for all our viewers out there if you send us five dollars every month to join our patreon <laughs> uh you will see your life get better You'll uh, be more in on all the jokes your friends are talking about. You'll have really nuanced, informed opinions about all kinds of media. So that $5 is going to blossom into $50 of value for you. So go ahead and just send us $5 every month for your prosperity film reviews. That was great. That was Three really great scales. Had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think, I think that's going to do it for us, guys. I think that's Rotating Reels talking about the eyes of Tammy Faye. That's it. What are we doing next done. week? I don't know. What are we doing next week, Keegan? Wow, that's such a good question, Taylor. <laughs> I'm so excited to announce what we'll be watching next week. So next week we're going to be watching 2012's Mamoru uh, Hosoda's film Wolf Children, which I doubt you guys have heard of. Uh, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I just looked it up. I couldn't find anywhere to stream it. Um, but this is, this guy, a lot of people call him the new Ghibli. He directed a movie called Mirai. Uh, I think the girl who leapt through time, um, a lot of really popular, um, theatrical release of, of anime movies. Um, and don't look up this movie at all. I saw Taylor look up something. I saw his, his screen flash on his face. I think I've seen this. I'm not, oh no. Well, you're going to revisit it because it's that good. And I'm also not going to read the blurb because it has a direct spoiler for the events of the of the plot. That does, actually doesn't happen until like an hour in. So Ooh. we're going to watch Wolf Children. It's widely regarded as one of the best anime movies of all time. Um, and then I'm going to probably take a break from anime movies um, for my recommendations. But I love that Taylor said he has this beautiful view of what anime is because I keep making him watch really highly acclaimed animated movies. Um, but I guess that, that's a mantle I'm, I'm happy to take. You know what? I was thinking of Princess Mononoke. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> There's wolves, right? There's children. Oh, the same movie, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, join us next week for that. And then also join us this week, like Taylor said on the Patreon. We're going to be reviewing James Wan's new movie, Malignant. And we're recording that literally in five minutes. So uh, you should, in five minutes, go over to Patreon and pay us $5 per month. And listen to that review, because we all like that movie, I feel safe saying, a lot more than we like this movie. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.